0: Welcome. Uh, really glad that you're here. Welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Those of you worshiping in Aurora, welcome uh, at Restoration Chapel. Welcome to Highland Square. Welcome those of you who are tuning in. Glad you're here. All right. Uh, this is uh, Palm Sunday weekend, which you can tell by the balmy weather outside. Uh, but that means that next week is Easter, and Easter is the highlight of the Christian calendar. We love Christmas, but Christmas is when we celebrate that God loved us so much that he sent us Jesus. But Easter, Easter is when we celebrate that God loved us so much that Jesus died for us. There is nothing like that. And uh, so this is what we want you to do. At, At every campus, there are different things happening this week to kind of prepare us for Easter. Take advantage of those Uh, If you're a part of the Hudson campus, and let me tell you this, when you are choosing a service, uh, if you have guests that are coming with you, choose the service that is best for them. That's great. If you don't have guests coming with you, then uh, we would just uh, recommend that you choose one of the services other than 10 (laughs) o'clock on Sunday morning, or maybe 10 o'clock and 1130. Both those are usually just packed, Uh, but we have services on Saturday night. We have services at the block. It's going to be a great, great weekend. Uh, we are in the midst of a series called The Cross Changes Everything. The cross changes everything. And the cross is a, uh, it's an interesting uh, symbol to have as the symbol of our faith. We could have tried to pick um, something more positive, like the star that was over Bethlehem when Jesus was born or or the bible but we have the cross which according to the hymn is a symbol of suffering and shame because the cross is a symbol of execution and that tells us a couple of things one is it tells us that something is desperately wrong with us and i told you this last week and that really should be kind of a relief right? Because if you have any self-awareness at all, you know that something is wrong with you and everybody you know, and something is desperately wrong with humanity as a whole. It's almost like going to a doctor when you know that something's not right, and finally the doctor says, yeah, this is what's wrong with you, and it's very serious, but this is what you do. The cross tells us that something is desperately wrong with us because nothing less than the death of God's own son, could heal us, fix us, redeem us. But it also tells us that we are recklessly loved by God, that there is something of tremendous worth and value that you have to God because God was willing to give nothing less than his own son to save you. It is remarkable The cry of every human heart is to be fully known and to be fully loved. And those two cries are answered at the cross. And that's why the cross has the power to change everything about you. Absolutely everything. Uh, Today, uh, the, the, the message is titled, The Way Home. That the cross changes or provides a way for us to come home. All right, let me start like this. My parents just got a dog. Uh, And because they live in an in-law suite with us, that means we just kind of got a dog. (laughs) The dog's name is is Buddy. His real name is Martin Luther, but we call him Buddy. That's really true. We name our dogs after religious figures. Um, But we are uh, looking at repairing our invisible fence that we had for our previous dog. Because dogs have a tendency to run away, right? But if they don't get hurt, or something does not happen to them, what's interesting is that dogs also have a way of finding the way back. And I, I got online, and I just searched to try to find a story of a dog that made its way back home. And I found a story about a dog called uh, Bobby the Wonder Dog. And it's a story back from 1925, And what happened is that Bobby the Wonder Dog actually lived with his family in a place called Silverton, Oregon. And his family went on, took him, and went on this camping trip all the way across the country to Walcott, Indiana, where they had a family reunion. And they were in the campground in Walcott, Indiana, when uh, like three dogs uh, went after Bobby the Wonder Dog. And it cha- they chased him away, and they couldn't find him. And so they called, they tried to find him, tried to find him, tried to find him, couldn't find him. And then they had to leave. So heartbroken, they made their way back to Silverton, Oregon. Six months later, Bobby the Wonder Dog staggers into their yard. He had made, he had made a 3,000-mile trek across the Continental Divide at the worst possible time of the year. And they think that he made it by going from campground to campground the same way they went out to Indiana. It said in the article that uh, when he died, they buried him with full honors. I don't know what that means with the dog, right? But they said, too, that Rin Tin Tin, the German Shepherd movie star, actually laid a wreath at his tomb, you made it as a dog if Rin Tin Tin puts a wreath in your tomb. I tell you all that because every human being, including you and including me, in some way, we've been trying to make our way back home all our lives. All our lives. And this is why. Genesis 3 tells the story of what happened when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And when they rebelled against God, God could have done anything as a consequence. Anything. But one of the consequences was that they had to leave the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden was the only home they had ever known. God didn't destroy the Garden of Eden. They just had to leave. And we've been trying to find our way back ever since. And the cross provides our way back home. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter, I'm going to read the first four verses of that chapter, and then verses 15 through 17. This is what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Sorry. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now skip to verse 15. Three points about home that I want to talk about, that the cross changes according to this passage. Home is the place you belong. Home is the place you are heard, and home is the place you are safe. Home is a place where you belong. Home is a place where you are heard. Home is a place where you are safe. Before I get to the first point, I want to tell you this. That um, every Christmas, I think I I try to remind us that the incarnation, the process of God coming to us in Jesus, uh, is a a threefold movement. That Jesus, in order to uh, come to us, had to give up, go to, be with. That's the threefold movement. Give up, go to, be with. It's what every parent does when they hear their child cry out. We give up, go to, be with. Because it's the the basic movement of love. Jesus, when he, what he gave up, was every part of being home that we're going to talk about today. He gave up belonging, he gave up being heard, he gave up being safe. And I wanted to get that in your head, even though I'm going to remind you of it at the end of this message. But I want you to know as we go through uh, what it cost Jesus and how the cross changed our way home. All right, first, home is a place you belong. Uh, verse 15 and 16, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears wit- himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, let me let me tell you this too. I know that it says that adoption as sons, and if you're a woman, you kind of go, "Why didn't it say? Why didn't he say sons and daughters?" Uh, and one of the things you should know is that the New Testament, whenever it talks about us as followers of Jesus, it sometimes calls us all sons. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a son. Now, on the other side, uh, there are other places in Scripture where it says every follower of Jesus is called the bride of Christ. So if you're a woman, you have to deal with being called a son, and if you're a man, you have to deal with being called a bride. So let's all deal with it, all right? (laughs) But what this says is that we are adopted. We are adopted. We belong because we are children of God. I mentioned at the beginning that my parents uh, just got a dog. We actually got that dog through an organization called Adopt-A-Pet. And uh, I was saying that to uh, a friend, friend of mine, uh, and she has a daughter that's adopted. And she said, yeah, I've seen those ads, and I hate them. She said, I, I, saw, I was watching one, and I called my daughter in, and I said, listen, I want you to know, this is not what adoption is. You get, those people can take that dog back You belong to us. We belong to you. There are no take-backs, baby. There are no take-backs, right? She said it with such ferocity. It made me smile. It made me feel safe for her daughter, if that makes sense. When you are adopted, when you are a child of somebody, you belong to them. You ever um, spent the night at somebody's house, and uh, they've said to you, listen, you just treat our house like it's your house, right? You just make yourself at home, mikasa sugasa, right? And it never works. I mean, it doesn't matter what home you're at. You cannot treat it like your own home. If, let's say you wake up early in the morning and, and nobody's up and you're trying to find the coffee. And so you're making coffee and then you open drawers and you find like a, maybe a bag of cookies that haven't been opened and you open them up and take one out and you have one in your mouth. Not that this ever happened to me, Right? <laughs> But the owner comes into the kitchen, and you're kind of like, you you know how that feels. You're not at home. To be be home is a place where you belong, where you really belong. I I read a book not too long ago about um, foster care and adoption. It's called Three Little Words. And it's one of the reasons why I want our church to get more involved in both those things, both foster care and adoption, (laughs) The first half of the book was about this little girl just bouncing from foster home to foster home. Some of them terrible. It was an awful first half of the book. The second half of the book was all about a family that was adopting her. And it took them a couple of years to convince her that she belonged, that she had a home. In uh, Luke chapter 15, Jesus is trying to describe to people what God the Father is like. And to try to describe to them what God the Father is like, he used the story. We call that story the story of the prodigal son. And the story that we just talked about this in my community group. But the story of the prodigal son is that this young man left his home. And he went someplace far away. And he spent all of his money. Ended up destitute. And he started to make his way back. And he didn't even know if he still had a home. He didn't know if he would belong because that was up to the father. It wasn't up to him. But Jesus said the father saw him when he was still a long way away and the father ran to him, wrapped his arms around him and he said, your room is just like you left it. Your clothes are here. You are my son and I am your dad. Welcome home because this is your home a great great story because home is a place you belong and we all have been longing for that our whole lives the second point is that home is a place where you are heard where you are heard uh, verse 15 it says for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba father. The closest English word to Abba is dad or daddy. There is no word that impacts me quite like the word daddy. If one of my daughters texts me and says daddy will you call me I will drop everything and I will call. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they want to talk about. It doesn't matter if they want to ask me a question. It doesn't matter if they just want to hear my voice. It doesn't matter if they want to be reminded that they are loved. It doesn't matter if they are sad or angry. I will call them when they call me daddy because they have complete access to me, and they have access to me because they have my heart. Uh, On Thursdays, I... uh, Every morning throughout a week, if I'm preaching, I'm working on my sermon. But on Thursdays, it's particularly important. Because Thursdays is when I really write it all out and try to figure it all out. And so everybody on staff knows that. And I get in early on Thursdays. I get in like at 7 o'clock. And from 7 to 10, my door is closed. No one bothers me. No one. And my assistant, Kathy Grubbs, is the gatekeeper. And she keeps if somebody tries to come in, she stops them, except for one person. And that's my daughter, Rachel. And if she is here on Thursdays for Bible study, she doesn't even slow up as she walks by Kathy. And Kathy just goes, go on, right? And so she comes in. Why? She's different. She has access because she is my daughter. And she has my heart. There's something about crying out, Abba, Father. You know what? I love that iconic picture of John F. Kennedy Uh, That I'm going to show up here where his son, John, is playing under his desk. This is the Oval Office. Most powerful man in the world at the time. And there's a toddler in his office. Why? Because it's not just the president. It's his dad. And he has access. I can tell whether you see God as a judge or as your Abba by how well you feel like you have access if you will take every little thing to him, if there's nothing too small for you to bother him with, if you go to him when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're upset, just to hear his voice, just to be reminded that you're loved, then you know him as your Abba, as your dad. The prodigal son didn't know if he could come home, if he had a home, until his father came to him, ran to him, embraced him, and reminded him, I am your dad. And so you are home. One of the things that it means to come home, to have a home, is that you are heard. The final thing is that you are safe. You are safe. Um, One of my all-time favorite things is uh, to go home. It doesn't matter what's gone on uh, in that day. It doesn't matter if there's a stor- if there's a snowstorm happening outside. My all-time favorite thing is to pull into my garage, uh, walk into my door, hit the garage door closer, right, hang up my keys, take off my coat, and know that I'm in for the night. Because th- there is something about home that should be safe. And if your home is not safe, you know instinctively that it should be. You know, I said that uh, the cry of every human heart is to be fully known and fully loved. And that is the, the, the thing that home should be, a place where you can be just yourself, and yourself is just is enough, and you are still fully loved even though you are who you are. That's what home is supposed to be. And when it's not, we just go, oh, it's not the way it should be. There is something about home that is supposed to be safe. This is what it it says in verse 17. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In that little verse, he calls us heirs. If you're an heir, that means you have an inheritance, and inheritance means that you're not only safe now, you're not only taken care of now, but you're going to be taken care of in the future. That's what an inheritance does. And so what Paul says is that you need to know, as a child of God, as a son, as a daughter of God, you're not just, you don't just belong. You're not just heard because you can call him Abba, and that, which means that you have absolute access. It also means you are safe not just now, but in the future. But it's interesting that when Paul writes this, he talks about being an heir and having that inheritance. At the same time, he talks about suffering. Suffering. Now second, there are two things that make suffering endurable. And one, the first is this that you are when you are sure that suffering will produce something good, will pay off. Um, I have two friends right now that have had knee replacement surgery, and they're both in rehab. And rehab is both painful and optional. You don't have to go through rehab, but both of them are committed to rehab, to the pain, because they know that that eventually will mean freedom for them. It will mean goodness for them. And so they're willing to suffer now because of what that pain, that suffering will bring. That's one reason that makes suffering endurable. The second is that if you know it's not going to last forever. You can endure it if you know that it's not going to last forever. One of the things that happens at the cross that I love, I just got an email from somebody who's struggling with how, why God would, would make a world with so much pain and so much suffering, and I get that. I get that, and I wrote her back in a fairly long email, but at the end I was saying, I want you to remember this, That Christianity is the only religion in the world that even remotely suggests that God is so troubled by suffering that he was willing to suffer himself to end it all so that all suffering would one day end so it wouldn't go on forever. And that's one of the things I, I love, love, love about Christianity is the hope and the confidence that because of the cross my story ends well. Whatever is going on now, my story ends well. And so does yours. If you are a follower of Jesus, and it's because of the cross. We are um, heading into uh, Holy Week. On Friday is what we call Good Friday. And Good Friday is when we celebrate the death of Jesus on the cross. That's the day he died. That's the day when Jesus gave up everything so that we could gain everything. Everything he gave up, we got. One of the things he gave up was belonging. I just uh, was reading Luke chapter 9, and I don't think I ever saw this verse like this until this week. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, he's teaching, and he says, foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And that struck me as so uh, just incredible because what Jesus is saying is this. I created every single creature. Every creature I created has a home. A fox has a den. The birds have nests. But I, the Creator, am homeless. I am homeless. Why? Because he was willing to give up belonging so that you and I could experience what it means to belong, so we could go home. On the cross, on that Friday afternoon, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there is no answer why, because he has lost his access. He no longer has Abba, Father, not like he used to why not? So that you could call him Abba. So you could have access. So that whatever is going on in your life right now, you can go boldly to God and say, Abba, I know I have your heart, so I have to have your ear. Will you listen? And he listens. And then Jesus on the cross gave up all that it meant to be safe and secure as he died on the cross and then was buried in a borrowed grave. And he did all that. Right? He gave all that it meant to have a home so you could experience what it means to finally make your way home. The cross of Jesus Christ changes every single thing. But one of the best things it does is it gives you a way home to a place where you belong, where you are heard, and where you are safe. Transformed 2018. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, come to you. And there is something about every single one of us that, uh, that longs to have a home a home where we are fully known and fully loved, a home where we belong, a home where we can cry out Abba, where we have access to the one who loves us, a home where we are safe. Lord, uh, you went to the cross and you gave up all of that so that we might one day be able to come home. Thanks for your grace. Thanks for your sacrifice on our behalf and thanks for the home that you have made for us. We pray this in your blessed name, amen.